You know, Don, I'm setting out on a journey today. Going to be in the car for almost 12 hours. And the one priority I have is to get downloaded some audiobooks. Good. Because that's what keeps me awake on long drives and keeps me engaged in long runs. You know, Scott, I, I'm hoping that the oncoming traffic keeps you engaged and the uh, the rocks on the trail keep you engaged. <laughs> I don't know why you need something pumped in your ear. Why do I need to be engaged with a, with a book in my ear? Yeah, well, maybe that keeps you awake. That's good. What, what kind of books do you have in mind? Well, uh, back in the fall, October 3rd, actually, of mm-hmm. 2014, right. we did a podcast with, do you remember who? Uh, a, a very talented and knowledgeable individual. It was, and it's actually, he's on our intro of every podcast. It was Nicholas Romanoff. Oh, yes, The Running Form. And the book we covered with him was The Running Revolution, How to Run Faster, Farther, and Injury-Free for Life. Now, as I recall, Dr. Romanoff has uh, quite a thick accent. He does, but he's not reading the book. Ah. They hire professional readers. <laughs> but anyway, that book is on Audible, and you can download it for free if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash TRN. As a runner, your feet are important, and on your feet, you have 10 toes. I have 10 toes. I have 10 individual slots for each toes. I grabbed my running gear this morning, and you know what uh, socks I chose, Scott? There's only one choice. I chose the Njinji. Go to trailrunnernation.com. Go click on our partners page. Hit Njinji, and it tells you the code that you need, which is TRNATION. You get 20% off all of your Njinji purchases. Are we recording? Dr. Romanoff, I, you're, you're probably very uh, experienced at professional interviews. This is not one of them. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> we, Don't put yourself down. <laughs> we, 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 we are very uh, uh, casual. casual. That's a good word. Ashley, were you expecting a professional podcast? No, I wasn't. Apparently not. Sorry, guys. Yeah. And it was a miserable, miserable day. And you still have a skeleton behind you. you know? I mean, you're there. Things are plugged in. It works. Warren, what you what you don't know is that is that as we're after we got set up, Don went and grabbed the skeleton and brought it in, and put it in the background so that you would see the skeleton. <laughs> just so, would not be Trail Runner Nation without the skeleton watching over us. Just so you would say that. Hey, that radio in the background, Warren. It has, that person has a, a British yeah, that's accent. Really annoying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hang on, let's get rid of that. I thought that was music at your end. Meanwhile, I was calmly sitting here wrecking the podcast with something playing in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> Our radio hosts do not uh, have a British accent over here. Except for when we're in the, the, uh, at mile 78 and a little loopy, sometimes we put a little British accent in our uh, conversation. <laughs> that, that is an interesting technique that we, we haven't got over here because we can't <laughs> switch into the accent, whereas you can. This explains American preeminence in ultra running. Hey, it's our secret at UTMB this year. <laughs> hey, hey, Warren, will, pretty well. Will, will you do a small, small favor and and do an American accent for us? We're always over here imitating yeah. the British. Let's hear how the British imitate the Americans. Ah, oh, gee, shucks! Look, there's an RV. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's good stuff, Warren. Oh, oh that's funny. Okay. Odd G shucks. There's an RV. <laughs> How how can we weave that into the intro? We need to start doing that. Oh, that's funny. Okay, was, was that convincing? Was I anywhere near? You just made my podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening and run Moss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we start, Scott? Oh, why not? But let, let, as as we do, let's have Warren start uh, the podcast. Absolutely. He's qualified yep. and he's professional, and 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 we're not. the only one on the <laughs> we're not. podcast that's professional. Okay. Warren, take over the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the wide, worldwide ultra running community, you are listening to nothing less than the greatest trail running nation podcast on earth. It is the Trail Runner Nation podcast with me, a complete imposter here in London, England, and your two real hosts over there with a skeleton behind them very early morning in the studio. It's Scott and Dom. Oh man, that is sweet. That is, that is music. <laughs> Good morning, Warren. How are you across the pond? I am very well. I'm wide awake. It's lunchtime, so things are pretty easy going here. Are, are you, where are you? I'm now are, looking forward to kicking back with you. Where in the world are you? Are you in uh, back at home in London? Back at home in London. Yes, recently in Italy, which was uh, scorching hot, and now back in London, probably for at least another month, I think. Is, and uh, Warren, the first thing when you came up on the, the video Skype that we're using, uh, I noticed that you look like you're in very, very good shape right now. What, uh, what's behind you or what's ahead of you? Well, I, behind me is, um, well, there's a wall just, yes. just behind <laughs> me. But no, I, I think it must be the magic of Skype. I've been, um, do you know what? I've been taking it a little bit easy at the moment. I have realized that for reasons that will become clear publicly later and which I can disclose to you after this podcast, um, I've been very, very busy the last couple of years, mm. uh, which coupled with a heavy running schedule has really, really worn me out. So what I've done is I've really eased off my training. I'm doing nothing more than about an hour um, at a time on the run, really nice, easy trail running, really good food, focusing on my sleep, throwing in a bit of meditation. And it seems to be leveling things out nicely because I think otherwise I was really burning myself out. Meditation. Mm. I don't know if I pegged you as a meditator, Warren. Is that something new that you put into your training schedule or is that just code for sleep? <laughs> no, it, it's. I, I would have also thought it was hippy dippy nonsense of the highest order not so long ago. Um, but due to, uh, I say, a very, very, very heavy work schedule, uh, plus training and everything else, I was just absolutely fried. And you get to a point where you're looking for things that can help out. And someone who uh, whose opinion I trust and respect and doesn't appear to be the kind of nutter that sort of knits their own sandals out of organic yogurt mm -hmm. uh, told me that meditation was really helpful. So I, I put away my cynicism and gave it a go. And uh, the results have been, been very interesting. It's been really positive. I, I'm curious, how, how did you get started? I mean... Did you get a, a a tape that has somebody doing ohms in the background, or how, how did you learn how to meditate? Did you read a book? Well, there's there's a few full starts. I definitely got some <laughs> free apps where symbols clang and and people who sound like they knit their own yogurt then give you some sort of mantra and things like that. And unless you're really into that scene. If, if you're a bit more outside of that, um, like we probably are a bit more normal, I suppose, um, that just seems a bit too weird. And, and that wasn't working for me. 
And then I heard uh, an interview with a guy who was talking about how, and he, he'd had a lot of work pressure and various other things. Um, and I forget the guy's name, but he'd written a book, and I think it was called 10% Better. And he was making the point that simple meditation can improve the quality of your life by maybe 10%. It's not going to transform it overnight, but it's very beneficial. Um, I was thinking, well, how do you learn to meditate? And almost as I was thinking that, he addressed that question as he was speaking and said, you don't need to learn to meditate. All it is, is sitting still, closing your eyes and focusing on your breathing for five minutes a day. That's it. Thinking, I need to learn to meditate is another barrier to not doing it. So that's all I did. I just went and sat for five minutes a day with my eyes shut and tried to listen to my breathing. And it's as weird as it sounds, but it, it, was, it felt positive. Um, and then eventually I gave up because it was just too much hard work. Until I came up with an app called Headspace, um, which you may or may not have heard of. And it's a guy who spent 12 years as a Buddhist monk, um, but he's also a regular human being. So he's got that full background, but he's able to translate it completely to the likes of you and me who maybe haven't spent our lives in temples or, or doing that sort of thing. Um, and that's where it really took off. Uh, I just started on that about two and a half months ago, starting at 10 minutes a day, now doing 15 minutes a day. It's very gently guided. It's not weird. It's very easygoing. It's been really, really good. Um, so I would highly recommend it. It was going to be a grab bag topic, but we might just let that one out of the grab bag as we go. <laughs> well, out of the bag. Yeah, well, we may be in the middle of it. You can count this one if you'd like. I think it'd be appropriate. You know, I, I think I have a goal of uh, 24 hours a day meditation. As you're working your way up, 10 to 15 minutes, I'm going to go the whole day and see what I can do. <laughs> if you do that, maybe you'd be 120% better. So, <laughs> Nice. Hey, so here's here's some of the rules with grab bag. We're putting a twist in it. Anybody? Oh, is that what we're doing? Is grab bag? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> so nice, nice Scott. So so uh, anybody that's listened in the past, that's listened to grab bag, know that we just come up with some random topics. We each come with three. We uh, disclose them at the time of the podcast. We cannot share them prior to, so that we can get some fresh takes on it and just some just some thoughts on it. That are Some organic. raw reaction. Raw reaction, organic. I like that raw reaction. That's good. It's called alliteration. Isn't that what, the, the, what it's called in the business, Warren? Alliteration? Yeah. I, I checked with someone in the business, and they can definitely confirm that, yes, it is alliteration. It, it is the king's language, and he is over there in the kingdom. <laughs> That's why we check with him, Don. <laughs> of course. And, and so this particular grab bag has a bit of a twist because we describe, in a, as we reach in the bag, what we're pulling out. And then as we pull that out and describe it, then the other two that are listening will kind of guess or surmise what that topic you're trying to share with us. Does and, that and, make any sense? You can like, rewind those and like, and like all things Trail Runner Nation, it is going to be a hit or, or a bomb. Or a miss. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, we're optimistic. Yes, yes. We go, we, we go into the race with just uh, confidence in our training that that's brought us in and we're prepared to do whatever it takes. And I'd like to be selfish and begin because of two reasons. One, I think I have the best topic of the day. You're going to lead with the best? Oh, yeah. you got to okay. come out swinging right. hard. <laughs> and the second thing is, is it kind of relates to um, what, uh, what Warren was talking about meditation, which I probably 
letting the cat out of the bag a little early. All right. Well, reach in that deep so, into that grab so, bag. So I've, I've taken my own spin on this. Oh. Um, and rather than describing what's in my virtual bag that I'm bringing out, I'm going to show you a photo representation of what I'm pulling out of the bag. Ready? Ugh. All right. And you guys have to describe what this what this uh, this is. Can you see that, Warren? So I'm looking at a gentleman that's blowing out some. Uh, he's blowing some. You have to know chemistry. Water. <laughs> no, it's Vape. not water. Oh, what is it? Steam. Has Steam. he been on a crack pipe? <laughs> <laughs> he's vaping. Do you know what vaping is in in uh, Europe? I am. Yeah, we absolutely do. It's uh, it's cursing us here as well. Okay. All right, so that's what we see. That's what you see. You uh, see someone. So, so I think you're going to discuss with us, Scott, in my prediction is you're going to discuss the harms of, of vaping as it relates to our performance in endurance sports. That's my guess. You're wrong, Warren. Okay. Well, I, I think in that case, you're clearly discussing how uh, vaping and uh, heavy ingestion of nicotine is the next big thing for trail runners, and, and we should all be hitting this stuff hard. Oh, so both ends of the spectrum. So I, I, I misled you by bringing up the topic vaping. It has nothing to do with vaping. <laughs> Scott, maybe you missed the point of this whole grab bag thing. You, it's something that relates to your topic. So far, if we were on a scale of, of swinging, hitting, and missing, yeah. we're closer to the missing. We're still in the dugout. <laughs> No, here's my topic. Okay. Um, there were a, uh, a couple um, professors from mm -hmm. the University of Utah, Okay. which if you go back to some of the original podcasts we did, um, we interviewed Christopher McDougall, Born to Run, and mm -hmm. that's where some of the, the Research. researchers were done with, uh, with running. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, these two doctors, and I'm going to mention their names because I'm looking for it, Dennis Bramble and David Carrier found that if you breathe wrong when you're running, and I'll define what, that, what they define as wrong, okay. that you are more apt for injury. Huh. Can you believe that? So if you're breathing wrong, you're more apt for injury. Two inhales and only one exhale? Hang on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm try just trying to follow you, the, the cat is not, his head is poking out of the bag. You don't need to reach in there and pull the cat out. All right, out. let's go. So um, they were also saying that the normal person, when they, when they you know, bring somebody that's not an experienced runner, that when they throw them on the treadmill or go out and study them, that they breathe wrong. They breathe in an even cadence, meaning mm. if you uh, – most people breathe like in for two strides, out for two strides. Okay. Which means every time you're inhaling or beginning to inhale, you're – you're landing on the same foot. They say that that, hmm. according to their research, and I haven't read the research, I've read an article about the research, says that that is more apt to cause injury. They, uh, on, on, the, on the other side of the coin, they say that you should breathe in an odd pattern. So you breathe in for two strides, exhale for three. And they say that you become a more efficient runner, less injury prone. That's my topic. Discuss. Wow. wow. So what was that? That's the bar high. It, it, the bar is high. I, I'm shamelessly walking away and back I to my... I told you to raise your game last <laughs> night, Freeman. You did. You told me to. So, uh, and I edit, so this will go at the end. 
Warren, there's there's not a problem with this. Okay, we'll fix this. It's gonna crescendo near the end of the podcast. In fact, with it, with you and I working afterwards, Warren, when Scott's gone, I'll have that as our topic. All right. <laughs> so, um, Scott, so is audio that, CGI? Yeah. So is, is that the equation? Did they did they at the end say here's the best way to breathe? Two on the um, one two, of the most two, useful things about having set breathing pattern, whether it's a three, two or two, three or a two, one or uh, is that it puts in tune with how hard, hard you're working. Coates has scale has a scale to use with his athletes where easy running correlates to an easy three, two breathing pattern. But eventually, as they speed up, they go to a three, two because it's impossible to maintain. At that point, they either have to switch to a two-one breathing pattern or slow down. Okay, so you'll so you'll odd. link that you'll link that to us because listening, it's it's a bit challenging, and and you've probably seen some pictures over there. My point is, is yeah. I never, I I rarely think about breathing, and he's saying here that it's it's critical. Hmm. Are are you a thinker of your of your breath, Warren? Well, I, I'm now scared of my breath actually <laughs> uh, after this because you know. Uh, one of the biggest ways I've found to tune in and out of whether you're going into threshold pace or not, one of those simple things is the breathing cadence changes and it's pretty much a one, two, one, two, um, as in two breaths in, two breaths out. And that's kind of where the gear shift seems to happen for me. So I've been getting it wrong all these years. No wonder I got injured. But my gut reaction is, my God, that's a lot to think about when you're running. <laughs> I, you know, I agree with you. you know, I, it, often it comes back to do what comes natural. Um, but with running, a lot of us with our gait, we've steered away from what is quote unquote natural. So maybe it is time to take a, a look back and see what's happening with breathing too. I'd like to read that article so I can understand better. I think you, I don't understand how it relates to an injury. Now yeah, I can't get that link. That that is the far jump in this that that I went. I, as soon as I read that, I go, this is a topic for discussion because really, how could breathing result in injury if you're doing it wrong? A hamstring pull or a, you know, a stress fracture in the. I may ha- I may have to reach out to these two professors and find out All uh, right. a little bit more, but I will link the article. Um, and you can it's from competitor.com um, but I will uh, I will link the article so you can do further investigation further analysis yeah all right well on the, on the on the breathing injury thing it sounds a bit nuts but if you take in the basic sort of meditation yoga breathing to relax the body concentrating on areas of the body with tension breathing into them it, it does seem to have an effect so potentially, if you were breathing incorrectly, as maybe we all do, you could be storing unnecessary tension that you may be able to otherwise let out. And maybe in the same way you're right, Don, the way we have learned to change our gates, which is pretty hard because it's something so fundamental. If, if you try and improve that or rejig it, it can be done. Um, then maybe we can do the same for our breathing. It's, it, it could be worthwhile, but be interesting to hear from anyone who's actually tried this because it sounds fiendishly hard. You know, um, one of the things we we actually have in the how many podcasts have we done? Over a hundred. It's around two hundred and twenty-five. Or I so, knew Scott. it was more than fifty. <laughs> um, you we, were meditating we, during some of them. <laughs> <laughs> we have talked about breathing, uh, a techniques on uh, or uh-huh. techniques of proper breathing, but it's been centered around 
where to breathe from, that you need to breathe from your abdomen rather than right. your chest. Um, and they talk about that in the article too. I think that, uh, Warren, to couple this with your meditation and, and some of the things that I did early on as an as a early young athlete was mm-hmm. um, visualization, which is similar to meditation, I would assume, um, where you could maybe put yourself in your mind on a run practice your abdominal breathing with the stride in your mind as you're as you're visualizing yourself run oh you said the stride i pictured you in bed moving your legs etc <laughs> you know it may be like the dog twitch as the dog is uh, sleeping and their their legs yeah kick. right it could it could ev- if you're doing it right hey, hey warren this is the five o'clock morning hour over here and scott this is a strong hour for scott you were coming up with some good stuff I well like it's it. usually this is when i run and come up with great ideas i'm I'm, I'm making running motions right now. <laughs> Good. And breathing in an odd pattern. I've, I've noticed. So I think it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll reach in the grab bag since uh, your first one um, uh, was meditation worn. So we can give you credit for that if, if you want it. <laughs> so I'm going to reach deep in the grab bag and I'm pulling out a timing chip. Do you have any idea what I might talk about regarding timing chip? Strava. Running. Okay, good. <laughs> one right, one wrong. So, as as <laughs> the topic is running, <laughs> no, that's weak. <laughs> you can't come out of the grab bag with running. <laughs> so, here's what I here's what I love about trail runs, and that timing is really irrelevant. When you when you go out onto the trail, you don't go out necessarily for a certain time. You you go out on a named loop. Or you go out for hours versus miles. We know that, right? And we've, we've kind of embraced that, and, and we enjoy that luxury. Well, I think we enjoy that same luxury when it comes to certain distance races. If you're a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, flatland runner, boy, you don't have any excuses except you. But it's kind of nice when you have different profiles and different, uh, in some cases, distances, on these races that we have, we can really rate ourselves against that particular run. We don't have to do a, a, here's my July 5K, here's my August 5K. It's a world of difference. So time is, time is not as important in the trail world as it is to the road world. And I think we can really enjoy that. Well, I think even on the same course year to year, mm-hmm. um, times can be vastly different. Based on heat and weather? Or soil erosion. <laughs> I don't know. Scott, if you're studying the soil on the trail, friend, <laughs> you're spending too much time. <laughs> it's a slow. I'm at a slow pace. I can I can observe. I can observe the Grand Canyon form on my runs. Scott's the, he's got a magnifying glass and a and a uh, a filter of some kind, shifting the soil. <laughs> a test tube. Warren, any, any, any thoughts on uh, road versus trail and, and enjoying the uh, luxury of the, of the clock not being your constant companion? Um, I think it's, uh, it's one of the most alluring things about trail running is that fact that in, if you're doing, like you say, marathons, 5Ks, whatever it may be, or you see it a lot in Ironman triathlon, um, people try and find the flattest course they can for the fastest time they can get and they measure splits and they measure everything and that's that's fine if that's your thing but I think a lot of trail runners prefer the experience and the freedom as well as the race against the clock so whereas you might try and push on for your last hour of a race or, or you might have certain 
markers you want to hit, hit during it. Just simply being out there and, and switching off, not just the phone, but the watch, the GPS. When you have to start your training by starting a GPS and then logging it into your computer and then you find the battery needs charging and then some software needs updating and then it's 6 a.m. when you were supposed to be out at 5.30 and it's hard enough getting up then to run in the dark. Anyway, um, the sheer freedom of being out on the trail kind of trumps all of that for, for me and I think that's why most of us do it deep down. Um, I am going to elaborate on what Warren just said right. because the first thing that came to my mind was um, we spend, or many of us spend, a lot of money on very expensive watches, mm-hmm. even trail runners. Um, but then I, I, I think I, I, I kind of backed up and I said, you know, I used to look at my pace. I used to look at the time. I used to look at some splits when I trained. But now, especially after um, getting this cool heart rate monitor that goes on your arm from heart zones, I don't even, the screen that I don't look at is the heart rate. So I'm not using my watch for a timing device. I'm using it for a training device. I'm looking at heart rate. So um, I was, I was going to start going down the route with, you know, we spend $500 on a very cool watch that measures everything, including our breathing. Well, maybe not a breathing, but uh, uh, I think we use it for different things. At least my evolution of using this thing on my arm has now gone from a time to a, an internal measure. Your point, it, it may, need, may not be your thing. Some people's thing is to monitor and watch those splits, and they really enjoy that. It really drives them. I, I really enjoy that that hill's coming up, and it allows me to run with a different gait a little bit and a, a different challenge, and it's such a nice mix, and the variety is, is a real joy for me. I think if it was always flat at that white line in front of me, I guess you would need something else like, like a split to keep you engaged in a way, and there's a lot of other things to keep us engaged out there on that trail. I'm going to also challenge you, Don. All right. You have a, a, a typical loop that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you finish that run, don't you always look at the total time to see, to kind of give yourself a measure of how you're feeling and say, okay, I'd normally do that run in, you know, I, I, I know that when you go run it with Lee McKinley, mm-hmm. I always get a text and, and that says 47 minutes, right? So do you always look at when you finish that loop? No, nope, I don't. You don't? I do, I do not. Okay. I, I don't look at it because I, I know that it's not uh, a Lee McKinley run. So I'm not, <laughs> not really interested in looking at it. <laughs> you don't want to see an hour and 20? Yeah. <laughs> when you know you can do it in 47? Exactly. All right. I think we kicked that timing chip down the trail. Um, it's Warren's turn. Warren, reach in your grab bag and uh, describe what you pull out. Well, thank heavens, it's a really big and sturdy grab bag that I've got here, oh. uh, made by uh, suppliers to HM the Queen of grab bags, fortunately. <laughs> and um, what, what I'm pulling out here, it's, it's slightly uh, crusty, it's pretty sweaty and smelly, but it's, uh, it's also pretty heavy. It's, uh, it's a very tight-fitting, all-in-one leather suit. Ah, leather mm. suit. It's got to be, uh, knowing Warren Pohl, a little bit about Warren Pohl, a leather suit would connotate motorcycles. You know, I was going there too, and then I'm trying to relate it to how he would bring leather suit to trail running, and I'm going to say that there are lessons learned in parallel sports that allow you to improve 
in where, whatever game you're playing. So that's where I'm going. I think Warren's going to go there. All, all I hope is that he's not going to bring up his new business idea of wearing leather suits as a fashion statement for <laughs> trail running. It's 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 not as a fashion. That's not, statement. A good, that's not going to be a good business, Warren. <laughs> it doesn't I'm breathe. Sure I, it, it's very niche, or or possibly to translate, would that be niche? Mm. Well, gosh, geez, over here, I think it might be niche. <laughs> <laughs> you just offended half of the country, Don. <laughs> that, that half didn't hear it. Oh, <laughs> that well, sounded normal like to them. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the beauty of the accent. The people that are offended don't hear it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, clearly the, the trail's a dangerous place. And, um, you know, what with the soil erosion and the glacial creep out there, you could get injured. And uh, I, I think trail runners in those, in those shorts and singlets are being a little reckless. Um, <laughs> but, but the leather suit is not practical for running. So that, that one's going back to the drawing board. Don, it, it is frightening. It's almost like you peeked inside my head and, and read what I was thinking there. You're absolutely right. It's parallel lessons brought from other areas of life to trail running and in the same way that our lessons from trail running come back to the other areas of our life. Um, as you both know, I spent a lot of time uh, working with motorcycles and also racing them uh, in uh, well, a fair while ago now. Uh, I'm more of a hazard to myself and people near me if I get on a motorcycle these days. Um, but looking back on it, the years I spent riding them taught me an awful lot of things that set me in very good stead for trail running and particularly ultra running. So the first one I'm going to go on to is organization, uh, not something most people who know me well would associate me with, but if you're riding a motorcycle for a long distance, and I believe you have a motorcycle, don't you, Don? I do. So you, you'd be aware of this. Have you, you have, have one, Scott? I uh, had one. So we're, we're all, this is no doubt why we're all such trail-running luminaries. It was the time <laughs> I spent on two wheels. <laughs> do tell. Do weave your story, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat. So the organization point. Okay, let's say uh, you were riding from here to the south of France and you had two days to get there or even one day to get there. That would be a bit more challenging. Um, and you've got your small piece of luggage on the back of your bike, or possibly you've got a little rucksack, you've got a couple of things in your pocket. When you go down the motorway, or or possibly the freeway if you're in America, um, at 100 miles an hour, you can't really stop and do up a zip. Um, So they need to be done up before you go. Um, On top of that, if it's a bit cold, you can't really stop and rejig that layer of clothing or that piece of neck tube around your neck that's stopping the wind getting in. It's all got to be right before you go. And then when you reach that section of motorway in France where they've got some toll toll roads, you don't want to have to stop your motorbike and not be able to find your credit card. You'll be there all day. The point is, if you don't address those really simple details to a point where you can do them almost without thinking because you know where everything is and everything is locked down tight, then your journey to the other side of France, which would have taken you all day anyway, will now take you two or three days because you'll constantly be stopping for stuff. And if anyone's riding with you, they're going to want to strangle you before the first fuel stop. Mm-hmm. Um, when you then go trail running, you know, it's quite handy now. We've got these super vest packs that we can choose from. But you want to know that your gel is in your front pocket or whatever it is, that your water tube is filled up. At the aid station, you need a little routine. You don't want to leave a zip pocket open so all your food falls out halfway down the trail. Those basic pieces of organization that make a smooth and speedy motorcycle trip 
also make a smooth and speedy trail run. And I think car drivers out there, because, you know, hell, you can lean over in the back and pick something up. You've got people with you. They can grab the things out of the bags for you. Car drivers don't need that same level of organization for a smooth and enjoyable, fuss-free journey. Are, are you uh, separating uh, motorcycle riders? And, uh, they're sounding a little bit more organized, elite, put together, and, and car riders as... as one one of the themes of Trail Runner Nation over the yeah. last few months is we have to offend some group of people. <laughs> yeah, well, we've we, already aff- offended all the triathletes. Yeah, <laughs> we did that, <laughs> and so now we're offending everyone that drives a car. <laughs> thanks, well, thanks for reaching in and grabbing a very large section of our population, Warren. <laughs> well, we, we can always spin it because what what I said was that the skills that are uh, useful for a speedy and enjoyable, fuss-free motorcycle journey are the same as required for successful, speedy, enjoyable trail running. The thing is, the majority of motorcyclists don't enjoy speedy and fuss-free trail journeys because things fall out of their pockets and then they leave things behind at the gas station and, and then they haven't got their credit card when they get to the toll booth and then the bike falls over because it's windy and things go very wrong. So I, I think um, we can probably offend just about everyone, you know, motorcyclists and car drivers there. We can at least keep it equal. Okay, so, so on on your grab bag uh, object that you pulled out, I I think that we can all in our lives pull back to either motorcycling or anything, any activity we've done, and draw a parallel skill that we need for trail running, and whether it's uh, um, going to school and and organizing ourselves and having a schedule to complete certain tasks, whether it's uh, I'll name something else that people do in this world. Um. <laughs> well, I want to I want to jump on that. My uh, uh, one of my sons, I'm taking him to, uh, as as they would say in in England, to um, university. Yes. Today, I'm driving him out to to college. Um, as you equate the the learning thing, you you would do much better in school if you don't cram for the test at the end. Like trail running, you can't cram. And, and be able to skate through your training and expect you to go out and run a 50K. Or show there's, up for a test without even studying yeah, at all. There's some work that you have to do on a daily basis, and I think that, that in education or even in the workplace, if you're doing a little bit of work, like my expense reports, I usually wait until two months are gone, and I, then I spend like f- five hours doing expense reports. If I just did it every week, I'd be better off. Lesson learned, Warren Pohl. Warren, I believe you, br- you brought up a valuable uh, item out of that grab bag. Now, who, who would have ever known that a, a stinking skin-tight leather suit could ever be so valuable to trail runners? I, I'm glad it was of some use to hopefully the one person who's le- left listening who didn't get offended. Hey, you know, Warren, I was thumbing through a motorcycle uh, either website. It wasn't a magazine, but it was a website. And I saw from, uh, some, from days past a picture of a motorcycle rider on a Triumph Tiger and uh, wearing a leather suit. And you know who it was? It was you, sir. I was, I was shocked. There's, uh, there's just no getting away from it. My, my past in the leather suit has crept onto the interweb in, in various places. And uh, it's just something I have to live with now, you know. Scott, I think that should do be posted. Do you, do you ever put the leather suit back on and go out on the town, Warren? There's got to be some, some leather clubs that you could go to. There, there are. Um, I'm not sure how far we want to go into that on a trail. <laughs> <run>. <laughs> um, 
It's on the new podcast we're starting, <laughs> Nightlife Nation. <laughs> that, that'll be fine. There, there are some great ones in, in London. You'd be in for a surprise, but in a, in a bright blue and white racing suit, you'd, you'd stand out a mile, which may or may not be your bag, depending on your preferences. Speaking of bags, Scott, reach in yours. I am reaching back in, and the, the, the picture for, that I will, I will throw out to you is this. Can you see that, Warren? I can see a group of people in what looks like a fashion shoot. And that exactly is what I'm looking at. They're wearing uh, some leather uh, coats and jackets <laughs> and boots. It's the same topic. Yeah. Warren and I pulled out the same topic. Some uh, Levi's that uh, are jeans that, that probably cost more, more than the jacket themselves. So, Scott, so, tell so, us. What no, are you thinking? No, you need to guess. Oh. oh you just see. described it. Now you got to guess what my topic is. Okay. Here. I, well, go ahead, Warren. I, I'm ready to roll if, if, if you're still figuring what you might say. Well, I, I think it's uh, you're possibly referring to the new underground niche in uh, catwalk ultra-distance running. <laughs> where it's a shorter distance. <laughs> Endurance fashion shows um, of up to 100 miles in length with uh, particularly well-toned running models. Good. Um, <laughs> but no. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just going to take a, a wild stab at uh, we dress in uniforms of some kind and we look the part, whatever it might be. Those people are clearly looking like fashion models and when we show up to a race we clearly look like ultra trail runners you're you're closer okay uh, my topic is trail running fashion mm, all right dive in let's and, go and and so I, I and i realize that there may be some regional differences mm -hmm. that's why it's this is a great topic for someone that doesn't live in north america okay we have some different viewpoints but if uh, if you live in north america there's been a fashion trend that has kind of evolved that involves trucker hats. Mm -hmm. It involves Wayfarer sunglasses, so something not that you would normally picture on a runner, a non-running set so of sunglasses. But for those listening who can't see the webcam I can, I'd just like to confirm both Don and Scott are sporting <laughs> trucker hats right now. That's They're actually no very hats. funny. That's actually very funny. We are. Um, so, And then you have... Um, Plaid. Mm. Plaid has become kind of a, instead of wearing a technical tee, sometimes you see people wearing plaid. A button-up uh, a, a button shirt. A button-up shirt, a long-sleeve button-up shirt. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm going to take a reach here, but one of the things that I see more and more on the trail now as a fashion accessory. A beard. Oh, well, beard is one. That's actually another one. You're right. That's a very good point, Don, but that's not where I was going, is cameras with selfie sticks uh, i've seen that uh, somebody carrying it for an entire race yeah a selfie stick camera so i guess my, my my topic is 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 trail running fashion uh do we like the trends do we hate the trends uh are they similar or different uh depending on what region of the world you live in discuss I'll, I'll take the first shot at that warren and and i think that it's important the trend because with 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 any good fortune, the trends really reflect some functional equipment. So as I go out there and I'm not sure how to do this trail run stuff, and I look around and I see plaid shirt and I see, you know, a uh, um, um, hydration pack, I start to learn the tools of the trade. Well, my point is, is a lot of the fashions that are are 
hitting, at least in the United States, have no function. Mm. Plaid shirt versus a technical tee function. Maybe because it's buttoned up, you can open it and get more airflow. Maybe there's some function there. Wayfarer sunglasses versus like a pair of sports sunglasses. Trucker hat versus uh, a, a nice running chamois mm. <laughs> hat. I don't know what you'd call that. Or, or a visor, perhaps. Or a visor. Or a beret, perhaps. <laughs> or a gilet. <laughs> or a gilet. Warren, why, why, why don't you uh, pick up these scattered pieces? Well, the, um, I'm enjoying the uh, insight into North American trail running fashion because um, that has not made it over here in any great sense. There's the occasional trucker hat. There's the occasional set of wayfarers, but largely... The, the general UK look is um, dominated by sort of uh, lycra, really. It's, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of... And there it is. I, I'm seeing a picture now. Um, the, I, I'm wondering if uh, part of it is a... By embracing the trail, one of the things you are standing up and saying is kind of... It's a little ca- counterculture. I'm rejecting standard marathon running i'm rejecting the road i'm rejecting modern society i'm getting back to nature and i'm going to reject all this technical equipment and i'm not going to be sold so god damn it i'm going to buy that 150 dollars plaid shirt those 200 dollars leisure sunglasses and then i'm going to be different um and maybe maybe that's a part of it because i mean just to take the sunglasses um, there are some popular brands of sporting sunglasses out there, and I think they cost about as much as a small car. And <laughs> last time I checked, they were just plastic sunglasses. Uh, um, so surely a pair of gas station sunglasses would be about the same. Or, or maybe you can pay probably the equal huge amount of money for ones that look like gas station sunglasses. Um, I'm probably moving into the directions of rambling, so if one of you would like to step in and say I- before I drown, that would be great. I like what you said because what you just described was trail running is punk rock. Mm. Yeah. And I, I like punk rock. Counterculture. I think it's a bit of that parallel. Ah, interesting. Freeman, what's your opinion? Oh, well, my you're, you're always a fashion, uh, uh, what's the word? I, I don't even know where you're going. I don't know if I, where you're headed with it. I, I think this is the first time I've ever seen you wear a trucker hat. Oh, it is? I think so. Oh, look at the dirt. I bought that hat for you like three years ago, and it's not. It looks like it's brand new. You know, I, I'm not quick to jump ship. You know, I, I, <laughs> I rode that visor until I realized it didn't have a top on it. <laughs> so, and, and, and my, my, my opinion was hopefully we, we uh, you know, see one another and, and, and we become better runners because of it and, and the whole function thing. Oh, so that was my... That's the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I'm ready to... Uh, is it my turn, Scott? Did you realize how funny that was, Don? <laughs> that was very good. I'll, I'll listen to the podcast. Hey, um, <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm next up. You're next up. Gosh, you know, I have one that I really would like to dive into. Um, and I'm not going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna oh, Warren just pulled out the trucker hat. Nice. <laughs> I, I knew I had one somewhere, and the only one I own is the Trail Runner Nation one. That makes your uh, eyes. That makes your eyes pop, Warren. That, oh, really? Is, is is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on 
I don't know. Never mind. Hey, okay, Wait, here's where I want to go. You need to pull something out of the grab bag. You can't just give us a topic. Okay. You got to pull it out and describe it. I am pulling out, as we speak, a GPS watch and a heart rate monitor. And didn't we already talk about this? Or it's is a that completely different spin. No, oh, okay. a completely different spin. Where do you think I might go where we haven't been yet? Everest. On this podcast. Okay, Everest? No. Close. Uh, Warren? <laughs> I, I think you're going to go for adventure, uh, running, new, breaking new ground. Okay, you know, you could link breaking new ground to this. And I was, I was having a, a discussion with Mitch on a run the other mm-hmm. day and talking about couch to marathon. Possible? Mm. Yes. If you do not have a pathology of some kind, some, some stress fracture or a medical condition that would prevent you, most of us, most all of us in, in a healthy state could go from couch to marathon providing we could take as long as we needed to to get it done. It might be an eight or nine hour day, but it's possible. And with, with this, without with, training, without training, couch, just off the couch and can travel 26 miles. Very doable. You walk, you slow, you stop. Mm-hmm. So it's all about pace. And I, and I was thinking about how many races I've blown up and, and sabotaged myself. And it was purely from pace going out with pure optimism and, and over, you know, feeling I could do more than I, I was actually ready to do. It's about pace. And we, and I don't know how far over the line we push ourselves just, I, just so that we end up in that bonking state. And so I really think that I need to watch that heart rate monitor and really respect it and challenge what Dr. Maffetone has been saying. Stay your age minus 180 and stay right there and train a, go a long distance with that and not bust out of it and see how I feel at the end of that journey where the, the hills mean I'm probably hiking pretty slow to keep it down at that low number. But what am I going to feel like if I stay 128? Heck, that's low. I'm never that low. What happens if I, I travel? I, one? I am right when I wake up, Don. That's what, my resting heart rate. What, what, you're a special case on your, your heart rate thing. We've talked about that yeah. on this path. You have yeah, a, yeah. like exceptionally fast heart Hummingbird. rate. Hummingbird. Yeah. Um, yeah, even when you're in great shape, it's, it's a higher number. So, that, um, But... I need to challenge. I want to do that. I really want to have the discipline to try to keep it low and see how I feel at the end of a, you know twenty miles or something. So, have you done that, Warren? Have you really stuck to that lower heart rate and see what happens to you? Not maybe during a long duration training season, but just even one long run and committing to that, not busting out of that zone. Absolutely, absolutely. You, yeah, I have. Tell um, us about it. After well, it was after becoming aware of. Uh, Phil Maffetone through uh, a book I read by a runner called Stu Mittelman. Um, it's the book's called Slow Burn, and that was the book that first introduced me to the idea of fueling from fat uh, as opposed to fueling from carbs. And uh, Dr. Maffetone was the guy who taught Stu Mittelman everything he knew for, for that technique. And I went out and I tried it, and um, I mean, I have a, a low heart rate anyway, so um, 120s is, you know, I'm still moving um, at that pace, but not not fast. And I, I did rein myself in for a bit, and um, I think it was very valuable in providing the building blocks that got me through UTMB the following year. 
Uh, it was instrumental in that kind of strategy of running with the mare, where races that I was biting off more than I, you know, had a record of being able to chew when I was trying to step up, I would really put myself at the back to avoid any of that going out fast and, and look for a, a, you know, survival and feeling okay at halfway would be a win. And then if you, you know, if I was able to to run a faster second half that's much more beneficial or the past of last three hours, that's much more beneficial than, than going off fast and blowing up and not finishing. The only flip side to it is I think you're absolutely right. It needs to be used occasionally because, or, or at least for periodically, should we say, because otherwise you can get into this point where I must not go above that heart rate. And whereas it does give you a lot of benefit, if you only ever do that sort of training, then your pace is going to remain at a certain point. You won't ever get any quicker. If you then want to get quicker, you need to mix it periodically with, with different sources of training. I think that's what we were talking to Sally Edwards about on a prior podcast is staying low, but having a scheduled uh, anaerobic day where you do some speed work to yeah, keep, she, to she keep your speed up. Train at the fringes. Get out of the, the, the black hole that the majority of us train in at that, at that semi working area. Mm -hmm. She says you train on the fringes, you train at a very low heart rate or you train at the anaerobic uh, high heart rate. Yeah. And that, that uh, what I was thinking was you were talking, uh, Warren was we got to get her back on. We've been, we, we have her book, uh, how to become a better runner. Mm -hmm. And there's gold in them, their pages. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've gone out and, and, uh, crashed myself and sat down on a rock and stayed at a stayed at a resting resting because I'm resting but my heart rate is like I'm running up a hill and it just doesn't come down because I've taken my body and just just uh, put it in the catastrophic state and it's trying to catch up and it's using the heart rate to get it there and and that was not a good strategy you know and and uh, so I just need to when do we learn that how many years do you have to run to learn learn that lesson for, for me several apparently but um i think that's one that uh if you're going to put some time and effort into into observing your technique you should also observe your effort as well as gait right you know i think that on a on a that was a good point scott it was great okay my it was better than a hat thing go ahead <laughs> my <laughs> um it's better to look good than to feel good um I think we t actually talked uh, on a grab bag at one point with, with Warren Pohl, um, a topic that came up that I think is, is very interesting because we've ebbed and flowed, and I think most, most runners do, between gearing up with the heart rate monitor and going out and, and, and really paying attention to that and then taking it all off and running naked, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think one of the podcasts that we didn't do too long ago, Warren was saying that he had felt, found the freedom of just not measuring that and running and just running, just going out and running. But I think that for you and me, we've, because of this heart rate monitor that we're using, that's really cool. Um, we've kind of gotten back into putting it on and, and watching that that heart rate so that should be a a tool really so that when you're out there running naked like warren that you're you're in tune with your body and you're listening to different cues as you know warren and, and speak to this if you if you can that isn't it amazing that as you're running and you and you're in the zone you know you say i bet you i'm at 142 and you look down and you're within a couple 
It's amazing how you can read that and feel that. Have you experienced that? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you, you're right in in, uh, in what you were saying there, Scott. The, the the idea of you know you you go through periods where you use this technology, and that helps you analyze where certain zones are, or maybe you can push up out of them and, and reach a new level if that's what you want. And there are other times you just chuck it all away. And it's nice to just run with no goal. And who cares if it's, you know, if it's that junk mile pace that people talk about? You're there to enjoy the experience. Um, but you're absolutely right, Don, as well, that once you have flipped back and forth between technology naked, technology naked, um, yeah, you can pick with quite frightening accuracy what sort of pace you may be traveling at or what sort of heart rate you may be running at. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something that is, that, that is related but completely off subject here. And I don't know whether we've ever talked about this on the podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unveil a little bit about Don's personality oh. and some of the skill sets that he has. Do you know where I'm going? I have no idea. This is Don, I, I get a bit you, nervous. I, I don't know if you know this, Warren. This you, you know us probably better than anybody uh, that, we, that we have as normal guests on the, on the pro- program. Don is a time savant. Uh, <laughs> it's the most amazing thing that I have found out find found about Don is we can be out on a run and I'll look down at my watch and I'll say Don what time do you think it is and he hasn't looked at his watch for an hour or whatever distance or whatever time and he can be within two minutes he it, it, it's it's amazing and he may be playing some kind of parlor trick with me, Warren, and so I, I haven't ruled that out yet because I, I watch him because I don't think that, there, that, that this is possible, humanly possible. But I'll, I do it often where I'll look, to, I'll, I'll look at my watch and I go, hey, Don, what time is it? And he'll go, he'll take his finger and put it in his mouth and stick it up in the air and he'll go, uh, no, that's six, not true. 621. And I'll look at my watch, it's 621. Now, now uh, j- just so you know, when Scott and I run, uh, he hasn't figured this out. I run behind him. So <laughs> it really is not much of a parlor game. What? You look at my you can't see my watch. Oh, no. no. You're I, old. No. <laughs> I get I get lucky. No eyes. I get lucky on the guess. Okay. Are we ready to move on? Whose turn is it mine? I'm not even sure. We'd have to play back to know whose turn I think it is. It's, I think it's mine. Okay. Let me let me get my image here. Um I'm almost there. Okay, here we go. Ah, okay. I'm looking at a teeter-totter with a image of a heart on one side and a brain on the other side. The heart Ooh. is on the on the lower end, uh, now all the way down with the brain on the higher end. And in the middle, a, uh, what is that? It's just a, some kind of fulcrum. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Warren, I've described it, which gave you time to think about what Scott might be talking about. I, I think... Now, it's to relate it to motorcycles <laughs> or even any purchase of a non-essential item, they are head and heart decisions, mind and heart decisions. So do you do this because you know it's right? Do you do this because your heart desires it? But Ooh. I can't see how that relates to trail running so much. So. I kind of think it's something more to do with mental strength, but then I'm struggling to work the heart back in and, and the angle of the teeter-totter. So I think I'm clutching at some straws, but I definitely haven't got the whole picture. Okay, let, 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 me, let me use some of your thoughts there and, and uh, bring some additional. I think what Scott is saying is the brain thinks itself as an elite athlete on top of the world when reality is 
you're really not that. <laughs> and so the heart represents the actual person and the brain, the image you have of yourself. You know, that's a good topic we could talk about. And that, <laughs> may be, that may be what you pull out of the grab bag. Warren was actually very, very close. Ah, I'm sorry, Warren, that I, uh, I didn't recognize your accuracy. It's the, the, the mental <laughs> part of this. Um, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. I want to discuss maybe a go round table. What are the one or two things that you do to overcome negative thoughts? And mm. we could even parlay that into a leather suit and how does that equate into your normal life but what are what are a couple things that you do to push those negative thoughts out when they creep in on a run or on a in a race should i open up wait sure i i, I think it's only fair <laughs> because don has nothing no, right I'm, now. I'm actually ready i'm oh, ready okay. to go okay well I, it, it's um we could relate it back to uh, the meditation where we began with the idea that uh, if you imagine when the sky is cloudy, uh, th those clouds can be negative thoughts. Yet if you could go above those clouds, you would eventually find clear blue sky. It's always there. No matter how cloudy it is, there is always clear blue sky. So when you are feeling crappy uh, in the middle of a, a race, unless it's a broken leg or something that's really going to stop you, it, it's going to be down to the mind to keep you going. And where that blue sky analogy comes back into the mental side of running is more the simple idea, as Lizzie Hawker has put it, that everything will pass. When it's bad, it's going to pass. Um, so if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, if you can remember that it's going to pass, it's going to go. At that point, you've kind of got to bear it in your mind as well when you're feeling great, not to necessarily overstretch yourself simply simply based on the fact of the euphoria of feeling great again, um, keep an eye on your pace and stuff because you're probably going to feel bad again before it's all over. So you've got to try and level yourself out between the two, which comes to the, this idea that ultimately the bad thoughts are just clouds. And if you can see above those clouds, there's clear sky all the way. So just keep putting those feet in front of each other. The no-quit attitude. And the Brits are famous for that. Non-stop, don't complain, keep going. Isn't it Churchill that said never ever 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 i don't know how many evers there are in the quote give up was that winston uh, churchill that's absolutely winston churchill yes and and i think his was also when you're walking through hell keep walking <laughs> oh. I, in 1941 there was two evers nevers <laughs> 40 <laughs> i i blew that one okay so um here's my thought on that negative thoughts they're going to be there that they, they, ex they will e expect them like you expect the terrain to change and it's part of the run and that's just the way it goes now how you manage that hill and how you manage those thoughts are are what develop us into experienced and veteran runners so I believe that negative thoughts are, I wouldn't say welcomed, but uh, they're, they're part of, of the process. And I don't think anybody's ever run an entire race, especially as, as they get with uh, any distance, that, that, that they don't go through that process. Now, I was running, again, with Mitch on, on this on the same run that we, I referenced earlier, which may sound like I've only been on one run, which is untrue. And <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good run. It was, it was a good conversation. Was a good and, and I picked him up. He had run 19 miles when I met him, and then he joined in, and we started running. And he was 19 miles in, and I was a bit envious 
of some of the things that he was going through. And I shared that with him. I said, you know, you're telling me about some tired legs and you're, as, as I'm fresh going up a hill and, and you're working through it. I said, I have a bit of envy of, your, of the challenge you're getting to face right now. And, and although that seems odd, I, was, I had a lot of admiration for the work he had done to get to that point, to get to push through that piece. And I thought that was, that was a, a, a cool thing he was doing. And so I needed to put in extra time to get to his point. So that's, uh, I don't think being in a tough spot is a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's a chance to challenge yourself and work through it. And okay. You know, I want to, I want to ask you guys because, um, there's, there's, there's one thing, one strategy that I've heard many runners have that I don't. And I want to know if you guys have used this strategy before. And that is mantras. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use mantras when the t- when the going gets tough and those negative thoughts come in? Do you guys have some kind of a mantra that you use? I've never been able to do that. I I usually say when the going gets tough, the tough get going. No, I don't say that. <laughs> Sorry, go, go no, no pain, no gain. <laughs> I say that one. Or uh, do you or do you do you hear Winston Churchill going? Never, ever, ever, ever give up. Yeah, the 1943 version, right? Um, <laughs> Warren. And if you get enough Evers in there, it's long enough to get you to the finish before you've actually <laughs> Ever. You have to, wait, uh, I lost count. How many Evers did I do? Oh, I got to start over. <laughs> Warren, what's your mantra? Um, I generally don't have one, I think. I mean, I may have used them in the past, but the fact that I can't think of what it is right now suggests it's not a technique I'm using much these days. Uh, the only thing I might do is swear at myself under my breath. Um, but that that's normally in a sort of <laughs> moderately good nature way generally cheering myself. I should just have to get on with it and stop being so soft. We we had that that garble was Warren um his mind, swearing. His, his, <laughs> and we had to edit it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, a, a bit of a bandwidth issues. Uh, t- tell us that last sentence again, Warren. Um, I say the. Uh, I'm not sure that I, I do use a mantra. I think I have done in the past, but the fact I can't remember what it is uh, does suggest it hasn't seen a lot of daylight lately. Um, whereas, um, actually, are you guys still there? Can you hear me? Right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought the picture had frozen. Do you want me to just pick that up again? No, we were right in the middle of it. Just continue on with. You don't use them often, but when yeah, you I, do, I, I don't. I, I don't think. I, I use the, the mantra very often. The, the most likely thing I'm going to do in a dark time is kind of swear at myself under my breath. Um, really just uh, semi-good-natured, but really to remind myself to, to man up and there are bigger things in the world and I should probably just get going. We were talking about mantra to uh, a good runner friend of ours, and she said, um, I use that one up the hill with my iron will. And I, I said, do you really say that? She goes, No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's, <laughs> what you, that is so cheesy. Yeah, you don't really say that, do you? <laughs> anyway, I, I, I had heard that, that strategy. I've never used I've it. I've never used it. I have it. never come across a mantra that <laughs> doesn't make me laugh. <laughs> I, I can't even think of a mantra when I'm in that despair. <laughs> All right, grab bag it, Freeman. I, I think it's me. Oh, uh, wait, did we skip Warren? We went from leather suits. I think I took two turns. What do you got, Warren? Well, it, it, fortunately, this, this grab bag is still quite large um, because what I am pulling out of here is, is, a, uh, is a suitcase. Mm-hmm. 
Just a big standard suitcase. Drop bags. That's my guess. Drop bags. Was that right? Okay. And and what what about you, Don? Suitcase. I'm going to think travel, and I'm going to think racing on new new trail races that are Dang, that is good. That bring. Well, I'm it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'll be right. He's going to say no in a second. <laughs> the, the, it's drop bag. <laughs> These new, these new trails give you energy and excitement and push your training because you're about to go to places unknown. Okay. What is it? Okay, so, well, um, in, in the words of a, a, a terrible English quiz show called Catchphrase, there's a, a very polite Irish host who, when people get things heinously wrong, he says, it's close, but you're not right. Um, he's <laughs> Irish, by the way. And uh, so, yes, you're both close because it, it is about sort of running. And it's it's about travel. <laughs> We're close because it's in the realm of running. Thank you, Warren. That's very of kind of you. Um, really, what I'm, I'm looking at here is um, running when you are traveling. So whether that's travel for ah. work, travel for pleasure, you are somewhere else in, in, the, in the country, somewhere else in the world, and you, are, you want to keep running. So how do you touch down in an unknown place and go running? What do you take with you? How do you find a route? So I'm going to throw this down to you to trick that you might have on achieving this. Don't, don't a, rush in at once. You know, that's, a, that's a, actually a great question um, that I would like to get some good tips on because uh, is. Uh, Don and I both know he and I have been traveling more than than normal for our businesses, and I find it very difficult that when you know after a long day getting to the the hotel room, there's not a whole lot of things I want to do, and one of those things that I don't want to do is lace up and mm-hmm. go run on the pavement. Mm-hmm. And unless there's a plan, I guess that's the biggest thing: is a plan and a commitment in your head of a, a of a course or a time or just a commitment to get out there and do it? I would say the first thing that you need to do is pack your gear. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you got to bring the shoes. You got to bring the, the, the items that you, you need to run. And then, heck, you got to start the day with it. I mean, just like we do here. It's, it's, there's, and it's kind of parlays. I'll use your word you used earlier, Scott. I'm trying to, I want to weave that into my own uh, personal vocabulary. That's a good it's one. It's the word of the day. Word of the month. And, <laughs> and peanut butter parlay. And, and, and so I, I'm going to, to kind of take an a, uh, item out of my grab bag. It's, I'm going to kind of do that. Is that all okay. right? And it's a rope with a knot in it. Wait. Yeah, are, no, do, it, do works, just, it works. It works. Okay, okay. we're not ignoring Warren's grab bag item, right? No, okay. no. This you're, is, you're, you're just uh, it, combining. Piling yours. on. Okay. You got so, to untie, untie the knot to make the, the rope useful. Okay, good. I like it. No. <laughs> or, or is it some DIY piece of exercise rehab equipment? Could be on another podcast, but not this one. I, 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 remem- I remember a, a joke that, uh, of uh, uh, a rope with a knot, one of my favorite jokes. What, what the, go ahead, tell us, since we're derailed, Warren 
two, no, no, two no, no, levels. No, no. Tell, is, tell the joke. We'll we'll put the joke at the end of the podcast because it's it's a pretty long joke and it's pretty lame. Okay, <laughs> that'll keep it'll, listeners. It'll be bonus. Engaged. That'll, that'll keep be a bonus on the podcast. Listeners will stay engaged for that. Um, <laughs> don't, don't be tempted to fast forward at this point to go listen <laughs> to the. It's not joke. worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> so so that not represents the word not. It's either gonna. It's either now or it's not gonna happen. And that's with with running. And so you're traveling. You commit to it, and you don't procrastinate. You don't say, I'll sleep a little bit more. It is, it's just going to happen. It's decided the night before or whenever, and it's now or not. Don't delay it, say, in the morning. Oh, I'll do it at the end of the day. No, that's not going to happen. There's too many other things in front of it, and it's just not. You know what, Don? That's, that's brilliant because uh, it's very easy to say, you know what? I'll wake up at, at, at 4.30 in the morning, and I'll decide whether I'm going to go running. If you make the decision... At four thirty in the morning, guess what? You're sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and, and so to war- to Warren's traveling point, it's just it happens now. It's just go out, do it, get it done, and uh, get your run in. You know, I Warren travels probably is away from home at longer stretches than uh, anybody I know. Mm-hmm. How what what strategies do you use, Warren? Well, one of them would definitely be the the not which is to you've got your kit and you don't much like you would at home you don't wake up and decide if you're going the kit is ready you're going the fact that you don't have a route doesn't matter the fact that you don't know where you are doesn't matter the point is you'll make the decision to stop after running for 10 minutes oh, if good. you really want to stop after a te- after 10 minutes into the run you stop by that point you, you're awake you're doing it you're enjoying it but um, to bullet point some of the things I've found useful over the years when you turn up in places where you don't know or, or you know, you're in another country and you want to go for a run, um, simple things you can do. If it's a holiday or a vacation, you're in one place, um, have a look on the map. Look for green areas. Um, <laughs> if there are anything there, it can be a big help. If it's a city... Um, and this may be a little more European, um, public transport can often get you, if you're in a downtown hotel, the public transport will get you to somewhere near uh, where that green area is. It's a bit more of a weekend thing, but that'll be pretty simple. If you're, again, staying somewhere for a while, search uh, the word, search ultra or trail run, then the name of the city or the place where you are. You'll no doubt find a race or a club. You'll probably find a route or a start point. You'll get enough little tips to give you ideas of where to start looking. Um, And an out and back route is always really good when you first get somewhere. You know, you're going, you don't know where you're going. Just try and find somewhere where you can go in one direction. You can go for a certain amount of time. Then you turn around and come back. There's less chance of getting lost. As you just, then you can build off that. That almost becomes a spine. If you're somewhere for a while, then over time you can branch off around that and put the, the city or the area together, run a bit further. Um, much like we have to do on, a, on the trail, keep your eyes open. Uh, look up, look around. You'll see buildings, hills, trails. I mean, I was recently in Italy. Uh, we were staying in Florence. And uh, Florence is a beautiful, beautiful city, but it is um, – it's, it's, it's completely urban, ancient, but completely urban. 
and uh, I ended up running out of town. I took so many wrong turns down what looked like great trails. I ended up stuck in a load of bushes. I nearly fell in a river. There were some dogs guarding a sort of waste disposal plant at one point. But eventually, after about five wrong turns and a nice hour's worth of running, I found myself up on the top of a hill looking back to the city in the distance. And then I knew next time I had a better run. So don't, don't be afraid of getting it wrong. Um, and probably the last one, if you're stuck, if your hotel has a treadmill, if there's nothing else you can do, putting a treadmill on as far uphill as it will go for an hour is an absolute killer. Um, and if you have to get your running in there, I, I, I imagine most trail runners would find treadmill running as boring as hell. Get it on the highest elevation it will go to and do that until your legs stop. And, you know, somewhere between 20 minutes and an hour, you're going to get a very good session without having any trouble. You know, I I want to emphasize a couple, three points that Warren said, uh, and he probably only brought up three, and those are the three I'm going to reemphasize. <laughs> but I like I like the the thing that you said. Go out and run, and make a decision whether you're going to run ten minutes after you're into the run. Yeah, that's because good. every single time, and Don knows this. I'm a, a broken record, where I don't want to go out and run. We meet at 4.45. We're out on the trail by just after 5. I don't want to be out there. And after 10 minutes, I go, you know what, Don? Thank you for pushing me to be out here because I'm glad I'm out here. That's, that's the euphoria is after that 10 minutes. So I think that's brilliant. The second thing I want to kind of elaborate on is um, one of the most memorable runs of my life um, happened to be when I was traveling. I was in Jerusalem. And I ran uh, part of my run incorporated running around the, the, the walls of the old city Jerusalem and keeping my eyes up and seeing this was in the morning, sun's coming up, seeing some of the, um, the Muslims uh, getting to the, the uh, Dome of the Rock early in the morning as, as the sun was rising and seeing the people. It was the most electric run I've ever had in my life. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't go out on a run when I was traveling. Hmm. And, and doesn't it make you feel, particularly when you've got yourself up that early, you, even in a city, you can have the place much to yourself. You feel a bit more a part of it, a bit more involved with it. You see stuff that most people are not going to see because the tourist buses turn up at 10 o'clock and the place is rammed. But if you're there at 6.30 as the sun's rising, you've got a privileged front row seat of just living in another culture in another place that and you know, the running brought you there it, it sort of takes us back to that idea of um forgetting the the uh the heart rate monitor forgetting what zone you're running in and just simply doing it for the enjoyment what do you got for good stuff okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pull my last item out of the bag and uh as i pull it out it's 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 just a a piece of twine that's does it have a knot in it tied on both ends no it's a loop <laughs> this this piece of twine is a loop well, that's uh, easy for me. No, it's not easy. It's so easy. Oh, what do you got? Because I know you hate out and backs. And when as soon as Warren said out and back, I saw your 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 the glimmer in your eye saying, "I hate out and backs. I only run loops." That's what your topic is: run loops. Uh, not my topic, but you're accurate. Yes, I don't like <laughs> out and backs. Warren, 
So um, it's uh, not anything to do with always being prepared, carry a spare shoelace or, or some <laughs> sort of mental imagery of don't hang yourself when you feel bad. <laughs> so right? I want to talk about those topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, since that's so much better than mine, let's, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the longest foot race in the world. 3,100 miles. It's uh, the self-transcendence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That's freaking nuts. It's the Sri Chinmoy. 0.5488 miles a loop. You have to run at least 59 miles a day to stay in the game. Um, it's a one-mile loop around a point, city yeah. block in New York, right? Yeah, right, in, in Queens, 0.5488 miles. And <sighs> you have to do this loop 5,649 times. And uh, 52 days you're given to do this. Uh, 12 people completed it. The winner was 44 years old. And uh, 12 people completed it this year. Well, 12 people entered. I didn't. I don't have all the exact oh. stats. I think this is more to speak to how do you do that over Speaking that of negative time. thoughts. <laughs> you you know it, it's got to be more. It's got to be more than a physical race. That that is just a mental exercise of. Of tremendous size. You either have to be on one end or the other of a mental spectrum, mm -hmm. I think, to do that. As yeah. in very, very strong or completely unhinged? Bingo. <laughs> and, and, and so pe people come back and, and do it. They repeat it. It's, uh, there are, are many, if I, if I had all my stuff uh, together as I should, that most of the people that are, are just repeat. It's a small fraternity that are that are coming. Do you get a belt buckle for that? <laughs> I don't. What, what do you get for that? Well, um, some people get besides like blisters, 11 pairs of shoes to complete this thing, you know, eight wow. for, for one guy. And then somebody else that had a, a more of a scuffing type of gait up to 20 to 30 pairs of shoes during this period of time, you have to be off the course at midnight. So you start at 6am off the course by midnight, must complete 59 miles and then get some sleep and back at it again. And that continues till you're finished with, 3,100 miles. That's a special kind of, of uh, crazy co commitment. No, it's a C word, commitment. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I, well, I think you've, you've summed it up because it's um, in the same way some people like uh, analyzing splits and, and road running and some people like going wild and putting on their, their plaid shirt and going punk rock into the forest, then uh, some people... Uh, only 12 of them in the world, by the sounds of it, like running for 52 days around a block in New York. And um, hats off to them. It's uh, trucker caps off to them, in fact. <laughs> no, no, it's a ludicrous, phenomenal achievement. But in my letters, it, it begs the question, why, in, in massive flashing neon letters? And, well, that's why I'm not running it. But um, to some people, that clearly totally floats their boat. And what a, what a commitment to put in. Um, but what a crazy race. Just like you were doing there, Warren, we, we could literally tie every item out of the grab bag and, and put it right into that, into that race. There is organization that's needed. You know, there are negative thoughts that are just creeping around and crawling inside their heads. And, and how much do they run with one another? How well do they learn? How much, how much do you want to stay away from certain people that might just have a gate that drives you crazy or, you know, <laughs> or you don't want to have a discussion with them. You finally get sick of that person. So your motivation is just to stay about 
or, 30 yards ahead or or maybe <laughs> or maybe everybody's so much alike in in a in a very good way that they this has been the the filter of the globe that brought these few people together that they're just very much alike and enjoy their company how about the support crew i mean their crews must be certainly dedicated I don't they, know. Don't, they don't have to they don't have to follow them around they could stay in one spot <laughs> well the, the marshals as well there's got to be organizers out there for even even though they're not more clear around around the block but you've still got to have someone there and um it's uh it's an insane undertaking but maybe Maybe there is. It, it, isn't it um, called the self-transcendence race or, or something? Yes, There's some right. self-transcendence in there. I, I should imagine if any form of running can take you closer to some bizarre, far-out, meditative nirvana, um, that's it. It's either going to kill you or it's going to take you to a place where your mind's never been before, um, which is going to be a challenge. So, so let's go back to that one grab bag where it was a couch and a, I guess it was a GPS and a watch you would have to redefine what you call running at that point. You would really have to keep yourself in check. If you're going to pull that off day in and day out, you cannot overrun yourself and create one injury and two, you know, bring your body into a catastrophic metabolic uh, uh, disaster zone. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the ultimate. Right. Sorry. Oh. I was going to say that's the ultimate in, in, in really – staying in tune with what your body is doing because I would assume these guys or gals don't run for 10 days and go, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little twinge in my knee. I'm not going to run tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's not a choice. They've got 59 miles minimum to put yeah. in. Yeah. So they, they really have to keep an eye on the end result and don't, like you said, don't sabotage their, their day for sacrifice, I mean, for, for a short gain. they got to keep on the big picture. Which, which really speaks to, you know, we can do any, any distance if we're healthy if we manage our pace and our effort. I mean, it really is. But that pace and effort might be quite slow. It might be molasses slow. You may not be running. Like you may not be what you want to have show up on, on a video clip on, on uh, the social media. What? what what kind of pace do you think they're running? I think just over a walking pace. Well, we guess we could figure it out and see what I your guess average you could pace. Walk fifty nine miles a day. Yeah, well, they talked about running, so I, I yeah. think there's a bit. Warren, you're you're, you're leaning forward. Well, I, I know. I I think you just need to get one of those guys on on the podcast and see what makes them tick because they are a uh, they're proper unicorns. They're a rare breed and. Uh, uh, I'd be interested to hear what, what they have to say about it because, you know, we've all run long. We know people who've done crazy things that are even longer, gone even further, and that all seems quite normal. But that race stands out as an outlier so far, I can't really wrap my head around the, the whys or the wherefores of it. We need to make sure that Candace doesn't listen to this part of the grab bag um, or else she's going to come up with some crazy 3,000-mile race. <laughs> yeah, she, she won't want to be outdone. Yeah, so Warren, I, I, I'm, I'm agreeable to that podcast, providing you come on as co-host as well on that one uh, to get the three of us to, to have a chat with this, with this person. I, I would love to, assuming that person can still walk. I mean, maybe, you know, people say to us, oh, what about your knees? You ran 50 miles or 60 miles or, or whatever. But uh, these guys are on another level. I, I'd, I'd be interested. Hmm. How do they manage? You know, I, 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 I would think that from our perspective of, of just being out there a, a measly day, right 
that that will have some parallels and some similarities, but and we could learn something from how they take this this monster run on and bring it to our own our own our own uh, events. Yeah, because it's not just how; it's it's why is the first question that comes into my head. Why why would you do that? There there may be something we can learn from these people. <laughs> As if they're a different creature yeah. from these people. <laughs> yeah. Who are these people? They're aliens, man. <laughs> I think we've uh, emptied the bag. Emptied the bag, Warren. I, you know, the only thing I have to regret is that uh, um, I didn't push record. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's time for Scott's Been juice. Been there, done that. <laughs> it's, time. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Scott's joke. Take it away, Scott. Oh, is this the bonus podcast? Yeah. This is, it, it, Hopefully, people have not been waiting on the edge of their seats because it's it, like all of my favorite jokes. It, it's pretty lame. Uh, so three strings walk into a bar. And as they as they open the door, the bartender looks at him and says, hey, you guys are strings. We don't serve strings here. Get out of here. And the strings walk out. They kind of sag a little bit and they're just a little bit depressed and but they're thirsty, man. It's a hot day. Sure. So they walk down the street. There's another bar. This is like London where there's a bar on every corner. And a pub, sorry, a pub. Do you know what I meant by bar? Uh, we have <laughs> bars and pubs. Okay. I didn't know that there was a delineation there. <laughs> Back to the joke. <laughs> so they're going down. They That's go. why it's long. <laughs> this, get, is, this is its own podcast. I, 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 get, I get derailed very easily. Hello. We've got three strings. They're, they're going to the second bar. They, they, they go in the second bar. They sit down. The bartender is, is busy, and, and as he approaches them, he kind of looks at him and goes, what are you guys doing here? And they go, well, we're thirsty. And he says, no, you're strings. We don't serve strings. Get out of here. And they leave, and still a little dejected, but one of the strings is a little, getting a little pissed off. Well, yeah, the shorter one. Yeah. You know, he's saying, listen, there's... This is string discrimination. This is just wrong. Clearly. The other two are a little dejected. They're saying, screw it. We're going home. The other one says, no, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to stand up for what's right because there needs to be string equality. So what he does is he takes himself and he kind of twists and he turns and he ties a knot. And then he takes at the, ed, at the end of that knot, he takes a comb and he frays out the ends mm-hmm. to make it look like hair. So it now looks like he's not a string. looks like he's a very skinny person with a head and hair. Okay. Walks into the bar. No one says anything. Sits down at the bar. No one says anything. Bartender comes up, says, what do you have, sir? And he says, I would like a f- tall, refreshing beverage. And the bartender says, okay. Goes and fills up the frosted mug comes back, gets ready to give it to the string, and he goes, hey, aren't you a string? And he said, I'm afraid not. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Told you it wasn't worth it. Well, you know, the best part wasn't the punchline. (laughs) (laughs) Go out and run, Moss. Warren Pohl, as always, so fun to have uh, you join us on this podcast. I don't think I've laughed that hard in a long time. Hey, Grab Bag's been a lot of fun. 
and sometimes, and so's the joke. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to rewind that and listen to that. I, I'm sure I'm not giving full appreciation, <laughs> but it was skillfully and artfully told. It's not a thinking joke, Don. I, I, I <laughs> you mean, don't have to analyze it. I was visualizing the whole tease of the hair, the knot in the in the string, everything. Um, grab bags are fun. I believe, Warren, you have an item in your grab bag coming up. Yeah, I, I do. The, I, I had a look in it and I forgot. There was, there was one other thing. Um, and and it's, it's, just, it's just this calendar. And it's got this big, red, scary-looking circle around the date November the 1st. Mm. And I see it in my nightmares and in my dreams. And basically, it's the project I've been working on for the last couple of years. It's the thing that's run me into exhaustion. And the biggest step of this project is happening on November the 1st and I look forward to sharing it with the uh, Trail Runner Nation Cognoscenti after that date. So November 1st, we'll be the first to know. You'll announce it here somehow on... This may be bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger announcing his candidacy for governor of California on the Jay Leno show. (laughs) This is bigger. No, the, we spoke about parallel. No one earlier. knows what that is. <laughs> it, it's bigger than Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan wrapped together in one single leather suit. So all you have to go on right now is November 1st, Big Red Circle. Mark your calendars. Let's join Warren in calendar marking, and we will see what he's talking about in November. Thanks, Warren, so much. Guys, thank you. Massive pleasure and an honor as ever.